right, and welcome back to Too Fit to Quick. This is your hosts, Brad and Jake, coming back at you. And we've got a uh, pretty action-packed episode today. You looking forward to it, Jake? <laughs> oh, yeah. This, I mean, this. there's a development here because this is the first episode where we, like, really feel like we hammered out some segments and stuff that we want to talk about and, like, did research beforehand, so... Definitely a little uncharted territory, but I'm excited to talk about stuff that I'm passionate about. I know it's gonna be, it's gonna be really groundbreaking here. We actually research <laughs> something, <laughs> not just BSing for 30 minutes, which we worked get... too. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, well we're gonna go ahead and dive straight on in. So we're gonna lead off today with a bit that we are calling Nutrition Nation, and it's just where we pick an aspect of nutrition to kind of dive into, do some deeper analysis and just share with you guys what we come up with. So today we're going to be talking about the glycemic index. So Jake, what's your level of familiarity with the glycemic index? <laughs> so uh, I was unpurposefully is that even a word? Uh, ignorant of glycemic <laughs> index for the longest time, and then for the next for the last couple of days, I've been purposely ignorant of it, just because I know, like super base level, very little about it. Like I know that it has something to do with the way that your body releases insulin and deals with blood sugar, um, but other than that, I don't really know anything about it. And I was hoping that I could play interested audience member for Brad and and maybe ask some questions that that people who don't know anything about it might have well audience member i think you can do interested well we'll have to see uh, <laughs> don't so, let me sneeze <laughs> so let's take it back to the start here the glycemic index originates from a study in 1981 and the point of the study was kind of to get a get a better idea of how the body metabolizes carbohydrates and ultimately that's really what the glycemic index is it is a measure of how quickly carbohydrate rich foods are converted into blood glucose that's it that's all it is uh, the way it's generated is by having a group of people eat different foods and then measuring their blood sugar over time and they would do that as compared to having them eat just pure glucose so there's a numerical value assigned to these foods and it's between blood sugar rocket fuel and what you're eating it's that gap so the closer it is to 100 the closer it is to kerosene basically you know? oh man <laughs> so the, the higher that number the closer it is to just pure refined glucose that your body can just absorb like that in theory it's not hard capped at 100 because it can impact your blood sugar different than glucose so there is you know but generally speaking that's the scale so the lower the number the slower the body absorbs and really all this comes down to is complex carbs your body takes longer to absorb than refined carbs that's basically the glycemic index in a nutshell is there like a magnitude associated with that like is is the peak that your blood sugar reaches higher when you eat a certain amount of a food that absorbs faster well like if i eat a tablespoon of sugar versus if i eat 
the equivalent carbohydrate in bread. And My see now, now you're touching or... on, now you're touching on kind of a, a limitation of the glycemic index that we'll get into. Is the glycemic index is, it doesn't take into account how much you're eating. So blood sugar is also impacted by the amount of carbs in a meal beyond just the glycemic index. So yes, the glycemic index does tell you how fast something will get metabolized, but you also have to factor in the amount of carbs that you're actually eating. They work together. And there's a term called the glycemic load, which is just multiplying the glycemic index by the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating. So you really have to factor in both of those because they both work together. So a smaller serving of a high glycemic index food will limit the impact even though it is higher glycemic index because the overall glycemic load is lower. So general trends, general trends with the glycemic index, the more processed the food is, the higher the index of that food will be. You know, the more refined it is, the easier it is for your body to break down, the easier it is for your body to absorb. Uh, cooking tends to increase the glycemic index as well as it tends to break down starch. So starch is a very slow to absorb sugar. And as that gets broken down the cooking process, that will increase the index of that food. So sometimes cooking your food a little bit on the lower side. So if you cooked your pasta al dente, which is just less cooked, that actually would have a lower index than regularly fully cooked pasta. Okay, well that's, um, that's interesting. And yeah. Now that you say that, I do remember like one the one like fact that I do know about glycemic index, like really specific thing, is I've always swear, read if that. If you take my if you take my cheat code, I'm be really annoyed. I, I think I know where you're going here. I have read that if you cook your rice with like coconut oil or some other similar fat, you can actually reduce the glycemic index of okay, that rice. Okay, you didn't take my thing. Okay. I've got, I've got a little note here, but uh, we're getting to that. Okay. So acidity, so uh, pickled foods, so foods with a higher acidity have lower indexes. So something that I thought was interesting is actually sourdough bread is a little bit more acidic than regular bread and actually has a lower index because of that. Now, is it as low as like a whole wheat bread? I'm not hundred percent sure but it's lower relative to like a white bread which is about as bad right. as it gets <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if you don't know about the white bread uh menace white bread is like candy to your body like white bread is almost because not it bread. is like candy <laughs> <laughs> i think it's actually closer to candy than an edible piece of bread right like everywhere else in the world like bunny bread is considered dessert bread like, people come here from Europe, and they're like, why is this bread so sweet? <laughs> Next, any kind of physical entrapment around the food. So, uh, whole grains that still kind of have a little bit of a shell on the grain. Um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but we're going to roll with it. <laughs> legumes? Legumes? Oh, legumes. Legumes. Yeah. Ah, legumes. So, legumes, like which have coating. Yeah. They have green that beans. kind of wrapper around it. And that resists digestion, which lowers the index of the food. So again, when we're talking about processing, and those things are taken off, you know, taken off the grain, 
it's taken off the legume. Now it's making it more easy for the body to absorb that sugar. Gotcha. So, so maybe you know, this is like where you get part of that emphasis recently on whole foods. Yeah. It's like whole, like foods that still have all of their components and are digested in the way that your body yeah. expects. Um, protein and fat. Uh, actually, combining a protein or a fat to a high index food will lower the index of that food. So, you know, if you really want some crackers, have some cheese with it. The cheese will slow down the digestion and will limit the impact to your blood glucose. I see where you're going. So that, that's kind of where you get the, uh, the old coconut oil and rice trick. Yeah. What does this actually mean to your everyday average person? So how does this impact your health? Uh, there's a correlation between eating high glycemic index foods and developing type 2 diabetes. So studies have shown a connection there. So if you're eating a lot of really high, you know, really refined sugars, that does increase your risk for type 2 diabetes. Um, some studies have shown that low glycemic index diets can improve cholesterol. Uh, it's not as direct of a connection. Right. As, it's like everything with nutrition. Yeah. It's like <laughs> as best we can figure out in yeah. this day and, day and age. And another very common trend is that uh, foods with lower glycemic indexes uh, tend to have a higher satiating rating, which means it uh -huh. makes you feel fuller for longer. Part of that is okay. your body has to spend more energy, more time digesting it, so it's not running through you so fast. Right. So you actually you feel full. No, that's and, super important. As as some people would say, how well it sticks to your ribs. Yeah, that's the exactly. phrase that I've heard. So how to incorporate what we're talking about into your daily life. Um, first off, avoid processed sugars. So when we say that processed sugars are bad for you, what, what, what does is bad for you mean? And what that quote means is that, you know, one aspect of it is that they do have very high glycemic index values, which means your body is just absorbing it very quickly. It's impacting your blood sugar. And that's part of what makes it bad. There's other things that play into it as well, but that's why processed sugars have you know the reputation that they do is they're very easily absorbed foods. Right. And, and like I'll I'll touch on this too in the next segment, but like part of what Brad's getting at there is that like what is good and bad is always subjective to like what are your goals and what do you need out of your food. But like I would put refined sugars as close as it gets to avoid or limit at all costs. I mean, that's that's like one of the few things that I would like come very close to just labeling bad. And yeah. if you could avoid them, you should. And this is, on that note, probably might end up being a you know what's annoying topic at some point. <laughs> yeah. But really sure. read the labels because they sneak oh, it in. Oh my god. Like they sneak <laughs> added sugars oh, into all sorts of stuff. And oh, so yeah. you might be eating something that, oh, this is healthy. Like yogurt is one of the ones that's the yeah. worst oh, about it. It's like, oh, I'm going to have a healthy snack. Yeah, and like then, everyone says yogurt's good. Yeah, but if you actually read the label on a lot of yogurts, they're loaded with heavily refined sugars that will blow up your blood glucose. That's kind of the probably the biggest thing I would say out of this is, you know, 
things that it's hard to really even work around is anything that's heavily processed sugars. And leading off of that is just generally speaking, the less processing that goes into a food, the lower the index will be and the lower the impact on you it will have. If you want something sweet, fruits and vegetables are a great way to get sugar and carbohydrates into your diet without having a high glycemic index meal. That many fruits are, even though they're loaded with sugar, do not have the impact that a candy bar has. Right. They're like simple sugars. And there's there's degrees of differences, and you should do your research. And I, I will have... In the episode description, I'll have links to all my sources for this, including a guide that has uh, different foods and the impact that they have, where they are on the glycemic index. So that's a good resource for you guys to dive into. And it's just, generally speaking, got a bunch of good resources in there if you want to learn some more about this. Awesome. Highly useful. Uh, yeah, and like, like we mentioned before, you know, if you really want to have a treat and you really want to have a food with a high index have something with it that's low index. So, yeah. you know, hey, I want... I mean, have it. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, hey, I want this candy bar. Okay, well, maybe, you know, I'll have half the candy bar and I'll have half the stick of cheese and that will be my snack rather than just the whole candy bar. So that way you can kind of still have what you want, but it's also you're taking it a little bit easier. Yeah. And that's like a theme here is is like reduce it in steps. Like you don't have to just yeah. cut something out of your life. Like you do just not have do to... what you can when you can do it. You don't have to deny yourself things that you love because if your if your diet is based on denial, that it will always stay a diet and will never become a lifestyle. Yeah, and and thus it will be destined to. I won't say fail, but it it won't. It's reap unsustainable. This, the, it won't reap the process that you want to see, yeah. the progress that you want to see long term. So, GI of different foods. So we're just going to go through a number of common foods and kind of talk about where they fall. So, quote-unquote, low-index good foods. Uh, anything that's whole grain, so whole grain cereal, so all-brand fiber one, non-instant oatmeal, again, any oatmeal that's less refined, so instant oatmeal is more processed. Uh, beans and legumes, nuts, whole grain, anything that's kind of whole grain is tends to be better. Um, dairy, fish, meat, soy, eggs, all these is really good low-index foods. So the middle of the range. Now things that are, they're not super high, but they're not as low. Um, so bananas, grapes, mangoes, uh, baked beans, green peas, wheat bread, rice, pasta, chocolate, popcorn. And those right there. Yeah, those are two... <laughs> Uh, two snacks that you can have that do not have the impact that other treats might is chocolate and popcorn or those are go-tos for me popcorn I eat that all the time it's a, it is a whole grain actually huh oh yeah I mean you wouldn't think about it that way but for sure yeah and high glycemic index foods uh, any breakfast cereal with a ton of added sugar so sorry frosted Most flakes yeah so <laughs> Um, soda, most juices, juice is a very high glycemic index. I'm an apple juice boy, but it is not, it is, it has a place in time. Yeah. <laughs> it is not uh, to be daily. Potatoes, pretty much almost all bread is a high glycemic index food. 
instant rice, and pretty much all snacks and candy. Out of things that you probably already knew were good or, quote, bad for you, but now you know, oh, okay, that's kind of why people say that. Today's cheat code. One way to beat the system. <laughs> Cooling potatoes, pasta, and rice after cooking lowers the glycemic index of them. If you cook rice the night before you're going to eat it, put it in the fridge, and then eat it, some of the sugar in that rice or that pasta or the potatoes actually gets converted back into starch, which makes it harder to absorb and lowers the impact on your uh, blood glucose as relative to fresh. So this is going to sound like a uh, DAQ for those of you who know what that stands for, but um, do you have to eat it cold or can you like heat it back up and eat it? I have read that you can heat it back up and you still get the benefit. I could not find that source again. Oh, so I gotcha. don't have a source to drop in there for you guys on that. Not confirmed. But I have seen Potential it. Potential myth. <laughs> I, I, I've seen it somewhere. And if I, if right. I do come across it again, then I'll, I'll, I'll post that link. But I would say yes, that you can. Uh, like if you're if you're gonna mi microwave your rice, it's better reheated than fresh. From the glycemic index perspective. Yeah, from a glycemic index perspective. Um, right. Limitations. Uh, glycemic index doesn't take into account the total number of carbs eaten, so be sure to pay attention to the carbohydrates in a meal rather than just the glycemic index. So you don't have to deny yourself all high index foods, but a smaller portion of high index foods will limit the impact it has on you. Additionally, uh, glycemic index is a measure of blood sugar increase, not insulin response. So there has been work to determine the insulin response of different foods, and I'm linking to a study in the description that goes into a little more detail on what is called the insulin index. So generally speaking, foods that have a high glycemic index have a high insulin response. But there are some foods that have a higher insulin response than the glycemic index would let on. So if you're a diabetic, you might want to look more into the insulin index than necessarily the glycemic index. Yeah. And that's that's one of those conditions that we mention every once in a while that will affect your um, journey. And you absolutely can be fit if you have diabetes. But you are going to have to do a lot more legwork to figure out what your body needs and how to manage it. And that's something that I really can't speak to. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Nutrition Nation for today. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Jake, for the news. That's right. The news. Um, or more accurately, an article. <laughs> because <laughs> most of the stuff that you see posted on news sites is not really news. It's an opinion piece. Uh, but I digress. So I found this really, I thought, really neat article, uh, really topical since uh, as we're recording this it is January 4th. So New Year's just passed, and I'm sure a lot of people are, out of good intentions, making New Year's resolutions to try some sort of crash or fad diet that they think will uh, put them on the path. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, by all means, take that motivation and go with it. But this article specifically is about cleanse diets. And when I say cleanse diets, um, the image that pops into my head and the image that pops up when you Google cleanse diets tends to be 
like a mostly liquid diet with a lot of diuretics. So like anytime you see like something labeled like detox tea uh, or or I mean I hate to target a specific product that way, but <laughs> that stuff is a diuretic and essentially it's just going to make your body excrete water. Um, which so what I'm going to do the article laid out. So for five the rest of us that about, means it's pooping yeah. fluid. <laughs> Correct. It will. Um, yes, it will make you poop. Um, and not solidly. So the article kind of went through five myths and then busted them. And I am not as eloquent as the writer of this article, so I will provide my paraphrasing of each myth um, and then my overall take on the article. So myth one is that a cleanse diet will make you lose weight. And this is technically true. So like you will lose weight if you eat a huge caloric deficit and take diuretics turns out if but you it, don't eat <laughs> if you don't eat and rid your body of all, all of its fluids which by the way you need in there like that's not the part you should be like shedding um you will lose like weight but it won't be fat i mean a, like a very small amount of it will be fat if it's like two weeks or more you'll lose probably like you know a pound or two of fat but like if you lose 20 pounds on a cleanse diet which like I have heard of 18 pounds of that is going to be like fluids that your body vitally needs. <laughs> yeah, that is time to panic. <laughs> yeah, you should you should not be losing. I mean, like every guidance that I've seen says two pounds a week. So, anyways, myth two is that it will rid your body of toxins. Um, so I I have I feel like I have to say that I'm not a doctor. I'm not, and I I really don't really know what people by toxins um but i know that that's what your liver's for um and <laughs> your liver rids your body of toxins i mean unless you have a medical condition very effectively and it needs nutrition to perform at its highest level so ironically these diets are gonna probably reduce your ability to get your body rid of toxins um myth number three <laughs> this is a favorite of mine the symptoms that you experience mean that the detox is working. Um, a diet or exercise plan, I mean, it'll make you like uncomfortable in ways because you challenge yourself or whatever, but you should not feel like you, you should not be miserable. And anytime an exercise ask, or is this my diet or is this COVID? Right. <laughs> yeah. If, if anytime a diet or exercise plan tells you to ignore the fact that you feel bad, that is a red flag. <laughs> Keto. Um, anyways, myth number four, you will feel better and have energy. So this is possibly an effect that you might see. Um, I would say that that's going to be because you are eating like vegetables and fruits and you're probably going to be cutting out a bunch of sugar and like, you know, as, as we say, quote unquote, bad for you type foods. Um, but if you ever feel a bump in energy, it's gonna go away immediately after you go back to your previous habits. So like, if it has an expiration date on it, it it's not gonna make a lasting difference. And that brings us to myth number five, which is some claim that they will combat a chronic condition such as diabetes or pain or whatever. Um, I'm not gonna argue that point just because I'm not a medical professional, but I will tell you that my take on that is that in order to remedy a chronic problem, you have to make a chronic change. You can't just 
do a cleanse diet for two weeks and then boom, diabetes gone. Um, so my overall take is that this article goes really hard on cleanse diets and detox diets, and I am very much here for it. Um, I think that these diets have a place, like fad diets and whatever. Um, they have a place in that they'll teach you to look out for what's in your food and by avoiding things in your food, um, which may or may, may not be a good long-term decision, you'll at least learn to like read labels and like think critically about the stuff that's in your food. Um, so if you're getting a positive impact on a cleanse diet, it's probably by accident purely because you're just paying more attention rather right, than yeah. the diet. That <laughs> right. Any, any long-term impact that's positive from a cleanse diet is because you learned by doing something wrong is, is my take on it. Um, and the number one takeaway from this article for sure. And I think the art, the writer did a great job of this is that, um, they basically lay out the new my plate composition that the USDA put out uh, to replace the food guidance pyramid. But my pyramid. Um, yeah. And it says that the advice, if you want to change your diet long term and you want to know what that should look like, keep about half your plate being split up between fruits and vegetables. Um, put uh, grains or carbs on another quarter of the plate and then the last quarter of the plate being protein. The, the article kind of says like lean protein and whole grains and stuff. And I'd say be a little flexible with yourself. Like the fatty stuff tastes good sometimes and you're allowed to eat that. Um, the my plate also says milk. And the article says uh, drink like almond milk or alternative milk with every meal. And like just be an adult and drink water. Like honestly, your body just needs water. <laughs> like don't, you don't need – like dairy is great and it has a lot of benefits, but you don't need dairy. So that takes like me you, to – I feel like you touched <laughs> on something a little annoying in there, Jake. Yeah. So you know what's annoying, Brad? What? The food pyramid is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are a millennial like us, uh, you grew up with the food pyramid because it was published by the Department of Agriculture, and that's going to be an important detail. Um, I feel like big in moments in my life – oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I feel like a big moment in my life, There's there's two of them. When I feel like I was lied to. When they told me Pluto wasn't a planet, and when they told me that the food pyramid was bullshit. <laughs> okay, first of all, the Pluto shot wasn't necessary. I try to not think about that as much as I can, because that hurt my feelings on a personal level. Um, but yeah, if you were a millennial like us, um, or associated age group, like you were being raised and your kind of relationship with food was being founded in the 1990s, you grew up with the food guidance pyramid. And let me just go like right at the right at the aorta of the food pyramid here. <laughs> Six to eleven servings of grains every day is ridiculous. And everybody like I don't know how that was ever like not evident to anyone who tried to eat that way. <laughs> so I, I looked it up and this actually has a really interesting like history to it. And um so when they were formulating the food guidance pyramid they actually hired nutritionists and and one of the nutritionists her name is louise light um she originally recommended three to four servings of grains which feels about right to me um and the fruits and vegetables were way higher she recommended five to nine they cut her to two to three whenever they released it and they also added a whole category for sweets and dairy which was not there under her recommendation um 
And as you would expect, because it is the Department of Agriculture, they have to worry about the United States agricultural economy. And so what they did is pumped up those numbers, baby, on stuff that America grows well, grains and dairy and, you know, refined sugars. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they brought in nutritionists and everything, and then they just, like, totally spit in their face and, like, sold out. And the result is, like, a generation of people whose entire foundation for their relationship is I food. still sometimes catch myself <laughs> yeah. thinking that the and, food pyramid, thinking about, like, yeah. I have to be like, wait a minute, wait. No, the, we're, we're not supposed to follow that anymore. Yeah, right. And, again, the MyPlate, the new, the new one, I, again, I'm not a nutritionist, and hopefully we'll have nutritionists be able to speak to this eventually. But the new MyPlate guidance is just much more reasonable to me. I mean, and it's much easier to follow. Like, nobody's plate looks like a pyramid. Like, you never look down and, like, ah, oh, yeah, that looks about proportional to their size on the pyramid. But you really can look at your plate and say, okay, about half of this fruit and vegetables. And uh, that's what's not annoying, is that they appear to have, like, fixed it in a genuine way, which is not something that the government tends to do. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll something you said into something that I find annoying. You know what's annoying, Jake? What's that? When other people comment on my food because they don't understand the kind of diet that I'm on. Like, I get it. Right. I eat a lot of carbs. I run a lot. Yeah. I do not need you unrequested offering your opinion on the food that I'm eating. No. Let me have my lunch. Well, go back to your cube. <laughs> really, that's a. I'm eating something <laughs> at my desk is not an open invitation. Oh, what you eating there? Which, to be fair, I actually enjoy talking about what I'm eating there. But I think that's a good general rule of thumb. It's just like try not to comment on what other people are eating because you don't know why they're eating that. Like, and if they are eating it because they don't know any better, like, is that really your place to like? enlighten them to the poor decisions that they're making or whatever like there's just one exception improve yourself and let it go one exception if they are eating fish and they're microwaving it that is <laughs> open season you are entirely allowed to <laughs> criticize somebody for that oh man i feel like it's i should uh, hide my head in shit cod that you got frozen from costco oh, three years ago somewhere else <laughs> Look, man, if you're counting macros, that Walmart swai, that stuff looks pretty hard to resist. You're talking about 100 calories for a four-ounce filet, and it is hard to beat that. Okay, well, you can <laughs> eat it at your home. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault that some people didn't grow up with the smell of seafood ever present and can't handle it. That is, that's, a, that's a weakness that they need to address. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there's clearly some people who feel that way. Right. Well, I think that's uh, that's about all we got for today. So want to say thank you guys for joining. And uh, Jake, why don't you close it out for us? Yeah, so I've been really enjoying thinking of a little challenge for anybody who's out there listening uh, every week. So here's a challenge this week. Um, I want you to think of a food that you like, like whether it be just like tacos or pizza or like what like literally whatever food that you like um find a recipe for it online 
and the only rule that I'll give you is to try to avoid anything where you like add sugar to the recipe. Um, but otherwise, just like whatever recipe, just find a recipe that looks good to you, buy the ingredients at the store as whole as you can, and cook it for yourself. And see how much you enjoy it. Because I guarantee, even if that food tastes the same as the food from the restaurant, if not better, it will be way less full of refined sugars and sodium and all the other stuff. So, yeah, just find a recipe online for food that you like and cook it for yourself. And try to roll that into something that you do once a week, a couple times a week, whatever. Um, and you'll see a big difference. All right. Well, thank you, Jake. And uh, again, links for a lot of the things that we talked about will be in the description. Leave us that five-star rating. And Please. you can tell us. Give us one of two things. Either Cinco, Cinco, what's Cinco. annoying you or hit us with a recipe. What should we try? What should we try making? And yeah. you know what? You know, if you give us something good, maybe we'll maybe we'll give it a review. It might make it into my daily meals that I eat the same meal every day if it's good <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, and we'll be back later. See y'all.